Okay, so Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Um, now, we live in a very individualistic culture. You, you may know that. Is we value our independence and our individualism above uh, most things. Anytime you open the Bible, remember you're taking a cultural um, trip. It, Colossians is not written to Americans. Sorry. Colossians is not uh, uh, written to um, uh, Westerners. Okay. Uh, Colossians... This may hurt your feelings. Did you know Colossians is not written to you? Right? Um, years and years ago, I can still remember one of, the, one of the... You know how sometimes you'll hear a phrase and it sticks with you? One of the things my professor said at seminary, and this can change the way you approach Scripture. And please hear me say this. Not everything in the Bible is written to you. Not everything in the Bible is written about you. But it's all written for you. Okay? So now for many of us, that might be a paradigm shift because most of the time, and it's, we, we kind of do this from when we were a kid, and it's taught to us even in our culture. Listen, what, this is what we like to do. When I see the word you in the Bible, what do I think? This guy right here, right? And it's kind of, and we take Bible verses and we put them on coffee cups and we put them on t-shirts and, and you can take a Bible verse that, that is like, <laughs> that was God speaking to exiled Israel thousands of years ago, saying to them, hey, I'm never going to leave you uh, nor forsake you, speaking to them, hey, I have plans for you. They're, they're to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. You all know that one. And we put that on a Bible verse and we said, God's talking about me, but you don't, re- the very next verse, God says, I'm going to send you into exile for 70 years, but I'll get you out right? But we take that verse and we take it out of context, and that's a popular, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope and, uh, and to prosper you. And we say, that's where it ends, and we say, it's talking to me. It's not talking to you. It's talking to God's hope and His promise to His covenant people, okay? So it's not written to us, it's not written about us, but it's written for our good, okay? And so even as we study Colossians, we have to be very careful. This is not written to Russell, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. It's not written to you, but it's written from a specific group of people to a specific group of people at a specific time for a specific purpose. And until we understand what it meant to them, we won't really understand what it means to us. But notice to get from them to us, does everybody see me? There's a little bit of work required to go from there to here, but we're not afraid to work a little bit, are we? I'm going to ask that again. We're, we're not afraid to, to, to put a slight bit of effort in, right? Are we? No. Because the Bible, it's, I'm not saying it's a, a mystery that we have to unlock, right? Uh, there's a guy that I listen to. I like his Bible teaching, but his program is called Unlocking the Bible. What a terrible, terrible, terrible title. The Bible's not locked. It's not, it's not that we have to decipher it. Right? There's no mysterious, hidden message. It's pretty plain and straightforward, right? And we'll see that today, but we do have to at least pay attention. Can we at least pay attention? Right? For some of y'all, you can't even pay attention right now. Like, I see y'all looking around the room, like, it's like, this is a stretch, right? But if we pay attention, I promise you, I promise you, God uh, is faithful. He says, if you. He says this in Scripture. Hey, if you seek this out, I'll give you the answers. That's what he says, okay? Um, so let's start, with, let's start with the big picture. Uh, Colossians is written. Uh, it's written by um, the Apostle Paul, okay? So it's written by him. 
And it's written to the church in Colossae. So let me give you the context. Um, Colossians was written after Jesus has already come on. He died, uh, rose again, went to heaven. Uh, He sits at the right hand of the Father. Then Paul starts taking these mission trip journeys, okay? Uh, God changes his life. After his three mission journeys, this is all recorded in the book of Acts. At the end of the book of Acts, Paul ends up in prison, Uh, because he's sharing his faith. That's where the book of Acts ends off, is Paul being in prison for the first time. And while Paul is in prison, and and technically his first imprisonment, he wasn't in a dungeon. You'll hear people say that a lot. He was actually under house arrest. So he was in a home that he was able to stay in, but he was in Rome, okay? And he had a guard that would stay with him. He wasn't allowed to leave. But we know that, one, he was in chains, and we know, two, he was expecting to leave. He knew he was going to get out, okay? So this is the, Paul is writing the first time he's imprisoned in Rome. He's going to get out, and he'll get imprisoned a second time, which is after all this. But this first time, he's under house arrest. He has friends that are able to come and visit him. Um, He's able to write letters and correspondence, um, but he also knows that he's going to get out of um, out of this house arrest soon enough, okay? And so what happens is, now picture this, Paul is imprisoned at Rome, and I want you to actually, uh, something I've never seen done in church, is go to your maps in your Bible, look at that spot where, hopefully you've already turned there, it should have a picture of um, all of Paul's missionary journeys, it should be in there somewhere. And so over, you know, over here on the far right, now near the bottom, you'll find Israel, you'll find Jerusalem, uh, maybe labeled... Uh, uh, Judea, everybody see that on the far right, okay? And then over here in Italy, the one that's a boot, um, you'll see Rome, okay? So Paul, when he's writing Colossians, he is in Rome under house arrest. Does everybody see that? Okay, now here's the stretch. I want you to find Colossae on your Bible. It's about halfway between, oh, do you see where... Um, let's see, do you see where the island of Crete is? Did you ever see that in the middle of the sea? Go up and a little to the right, also known as north and east, if you're one of those educated folk. Okay, so I want you to find Colossae. It's right here, if you can see that. I know you can't see it. This is where Colossae is. Uh, Just to the left of Colossae, you'll see a a city called Ephesus. That probably sounds familiar. Okay, um, this whole area right in here that Colossae is around, a little to the east, that area is called Galatia right? Hopefully these should sound familiar. Um, and so that's where, that's where Paul is writing this letter. Okay, so make sure you get the big picture here. Paul is sitting in prison, and a man shows up. This guy walks in. We don't know if Paul had ever met him before. And he walks in, remember this is in Rome, and he says, hey, my name is Epaphras. And he says, and I come from a place called Colossae. If you look at Colossae on Paul's mission trips, you'll notice he never visited there. Do you see that? Does your Bible show you that his mission trips? Paul never went to Colossae, okay? But he's sitting in prison, and this guy shows up and says, hey, my name is Epaphras. I'm, I'm a leader of a, a small group of people, and, and most likely he heard, him, he heard Paul preach in Ephesus, and he says, my name's Epaphras. I went back home, and I just started talking to people about Jesus, and then more people wanted to hear about it. And, and then we started gathering together in this home. And then one day, someone came up and said, hey, what time does your church start? And I said, church? What are you talking about? And they said, yeah, Epaphras, a church is just a group of believers gathered together. And they said, it looks like you're the leader. And Epaphras says, I'm, I'm the church leader? And they said, yes. 
Okay, so this guy Epaphras shows up, who's the leader in the church in Colossae, and he shows up uh, on Paul's doorstep in Rome, and he says, Paul, we need some help. We're having a little bit of trouble. He says, listen, we're a new church. We're just growing. We've, some might even say we've just planted this church. See what I did there? <laughs> some might say, this, he shows up and he says, this is a new church plant. We're young, and, and we, have, we know the gospel. We know Jesus. We know all this stuff, but Paul, we're starting to get some weird teachings amongst our people. It's, it's not that people stand up and proclaim these things, but it's, it's, that this, it's this general mood about our people that, that, and remember, Epaphras is just kind of feeling this. He says, there's, there's something not going right with, with, our, with our teaching. It's very, very subtle, right? Is it, is it a clear-cut heresy? Is it a clear-cut cult? Probably not. It's probably this general mood that people are starting to feel things and think things. And it's affecting, notice this, he says, our belief system is affecting the way we behave. Let me back that up. Epaphras says, the things that we believe are affecting the way we behave. Why is that? Because no matter what, church, no matter what, no matter what, what you believe will eventually become your behavior. It will. That's why theology and doctrine is so important. Okay? What you believe will become your behavior. And so that's why it's always important at church that we're teaching sound doctrine, we're teaching sound theology, and that we're saying, hey, and, and it'll, this should affect your behavior. It might look like this, it might look like that, but it certainly should, right? If you really know, understand, and embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot be unchanged. You can't do it, right? Men, if you truly know and worship the Lord, it will affect how you, how you parent and how you husband. I just made husband into a verb. It will do it. It should, right? And so anyways, Epaphras shows up and says, hey, our beliefs are starting to change and it's gonna, starting to affect our behavior. And um, here, look in Colossians. Are you there? What I'm going to do is we're just going to, we're going to really skip through the entire thing so you can see the big uh, picture here. So start in uh, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, real quick. I'm not going to be long today because in a minute, we're going to read through the entire book as a group. So chapter 1, look at verse 7, or actually, uh, I'm sorry, look at verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. It says what? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and who is that? Timothy, our brother. Paul and Timothy were tight, okay? Uh, This is such a great example of discipleship, is that when you start looking for Paul and Timothy in the New Testament, they're all over the place. You can go read in the book of Acts where Paul meets Timothy for the first time. Paul meets him and he says, I'm impressed with this young man. And, and, And then Timothy says, I want to start going on these mission trips with you. And you will see all through all through the New Testament, there's Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timothy. And so Paul is always pouring out into this young man. Anyways, uh, and Timothy, our brother, uh, verse 2, to the holy faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Okay, so just in the first verse we see, so this is Paul writing this letter. He says, hey, this is from Paul and Timothy. This is to Colossae. Uh, skip down to verse 7. He's speaking to the church there. He says, you learned it from who? Epaphras. This is the guy that, so when they read the word Epaphras, they say, oh, that's, that's the guy who's in charge of our 
church. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Uh, skip all the way to the end. Look at chapter 4. Look at verse 12. Remember, we're going to skip around a lot, but I want us to get the big picture. Paul's closing remarks, chapter 4, verse 12. What's the first word you see? Epaphras. So Paul is uh, concluding his letter. He says, Epaphras, now look at this, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ sends his greetings. Okay, so what we clearly, this clarifies what we said. Epaphras, who's one of them, he's from Colossae. This is his hometown. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. I love that, by the way. I love the fact that the leader, it says that he's wrestling in prayer. Some people have the gift of prayer. Like some people, they just do. Like you, you may be able to think of someone that, and, and some people, we struggle, we wrestle with prayer. I'm the type that like if a problem comes up, I think, well, let's find a solution. Let's solve this. Let's get a, and, and it usually, to my detriment, my first thought is not, let's pray about this. Usually my first thought is, well, let's figure out how to do this. But does everybody know the guy that like, you can just be like, hey, man, how you doing? They're like, good, good. Did you, did you catch the, the OU West Virginia game last night? And like, oh yeah, man, Jalen Hurts looks great. Let's pray. And you're just like, wait, what? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's pray. But they're, and everyone's probably thinking of the same guy, because we all know the same guy. Um, but, you know, there's those people that they just have the gift of prayer, right? And Epaphras, I love that he wrestles in prayer. That gives hope for me that this church leader was not a superhero that stood up and was perfect in everything. He's like, I'm really struggling here. And even the fact that he's facing issues and he goes and seeks out help. Don't miss that. Okay, um, now look at verse chapter 4. Back up just a little bit. We're going to start in verse 7, okay? So remember, we're still talking big picture. Epaphras has talked to Paul about everything that's happened. Paul says, hey, I'm going to write this letter. And Epaphras stays behind. And then Paul gives this letter to a couple guys and says, I need you to deliver this letter. So verse 7, Tychicus will tell you, all the news about me. Why will he tell him? Well, because he's delivering the letter. Uh, he is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. <clears throat> Verse 9, he is coming with, who's that? Onesimus. If you've spent any time in scripture, you may know that name. Our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Okay, and so what happens here is, notice, Epaphras shows up. He says, we're having trouble in Colossae. Paul says, I'm going to write a letter to you. And then he does this. He says, hey, hey, Epaphras, while you're heading that way, can I send you some other mail as well? It's the equivalent of, hey, while you're up, can you grab me some Doritos? You know, it's like, oh. Why, and, and, and Epaphras says, yes, of course. And so on this trip, Paul sends three total letters. On this trip, he sends Ephesians, he sends Colossians, and he sends this little book known as Philemon. Okay? And Tychicus and Onesimus are the ones that carry these letters, and they go to Colossae, which is where uh, Tychicus is from, and Onesimus, and they said, hey, I'm here to deliver this letter. And they go to Ephesians is a general letter that goes around the entire area. And then they go to this person named Philemon, 
and they say, here's a specific letter just for you. And so even with those three letters, these are the type, as you study epistles in the New Testament, these are the types of letters you'll read in the New Testament, is that some are personal to Philemon, uh, some are general, and are circular, like Ephesians, and then some are occasional for a specific purpose, like we're reading in uh, Colossians. Okay, so um, let me point out probably one more thing, and then I'll, I'll about be finished. Okay, so Paul is writing this letter in response to some heresy. Something I want to point out is when you read, when you study this letter this week, notice I corrected myself, don't read this book, study it. Christians, stop reading the Bible. Start studying the Bible, okay? Don't just read for entertainment or read to get your 20 minutes. Study the Word of God, okay? When you study this, what you'll see is chapter 1 and chapter 2, the focus is on doctrine and theology. When you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's not a lot of practical application, okay? And what's going to happen is, since we live in an instant gratification world, you are going to be frustrated for chapter 1 and chapter 2. Because usually, anytime we study Scripture, or anytime we even listen to a sermon, or anytime we try to get advice or counsel, usually what's the, the number one thing we want to know? How does it work for me? Just tell me what to do, right? And, and sometimes your problem isn't the problem. Sometimes our, the, our problem is just a symptom of a disease that we have, right? Do you follow on that? And, and, and I love that in all of Paul's letters... Yes, he does give practical advice. He does. But he also always says, here's the correct way to think. He says, this is correct doctrine. This is correct theology. Okay? And so even as, you, even as you meet with one another, even as you talk with one another, I know a lot of times we come together and we just discuss our problems. Right? And it's okay to lament and say, this is what's on my heart. But make sure, Christians, that we're not just sitting there talking about the problems. Make sure we're also talking about the, the, the disease itself, right? And that because sometimes our beliefs affect what we do. I think you may have heard that somewhere, <laughs> right? And so if you believe the wrong thing, you will act the wrong way, right? If you believe, if you're a Christian, if you believe you're still a dirty sinner, guess what? You're going to act like a guilty, dirty sinner. But a Christian, if you believe and if you know that you are completely saved and that the Lord holds nothing against you, then you will walk in freedom, right? And so if the difficulty is, well, I feel guilty, I feel shameful, we have to back up. And yes, yes, the behavior is important. I'm not going to try to disregard it. But we have to back up and say, let's, let's see what you believe here, right? If you struggle with guilt and shame, usually if you back up, it's usually because you, we still feel like we're dirty and we feel like we're disappointing God, right? And that's not the truth at all, okay? And so chapters 1 and chapter 2 is all uh, theology, doctrine. Again, you, if you read that and you're looking for instant gratification, tell me what to do, Paul, you will be very frustrated. But... After chapters 1 and chapter 2 comes what? Chapter 3. Good. Some of y'all weren't sure. That's okay. Don't worry. Um, Kenneth, I know you were a little unsure on that one, but yeah. Uh, And so don't just cut out. And and, and let me say this also. Don't skip chapters 1 and chapter 2, but look at chapter 3. 
chapter 3, verse 1, this is the hinge verse of Colossians. It moves from doctrine to practical application. Just listen to it. Listen. He says, chapter 3, verse 1, since then, okay, so that connects you to what? Since everything I've just said, since chapters 1 and 2, you have been raised with Christ. So he's pointing back to, since then, you have been saved. You have you are united with Jesus in his death and resurrection and ascension. Since that's true, only then, look, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Skip down to verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dear love, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and it goes on and on. So do you see how he has turned and now he's going to say, since you have been raised with Christ, this is what it looks like in your life. Does everybody see that? And don't forget, do not skip chapter 3, verse 1, right? He, he, Paul never starts a letter and just says, you've done this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. He says, let me remind you of the gospel. He says, let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of what Jesus did for you. Now, because that's true, this is what it looks like in your life. And he's going to go through, he's going to, he's going to uh, talk about wives, he's going to talk about husbands, children, fathers, he's going to talk about masters and slaves, he's going to talk about um, everything here, okay? And so, uh, when we read this, uh, we'll get into the theology of it later, <clears throat> but again, I think the most important thing is that um, as a church, we sit underneath the teaching and the reading of the scriptures. So we're going to do something I've never, ever seen done in church, and I don't know why. We're going to sit here and we're going to read through the entire book of Colossians. It's going to take probably 12 to 14 minutes. We can do it, I promise, okay? And so <clears throat> I have some gentlemen that I asked if they would come read. I don't know, if you guys want to come sit here, you can. You don't have to if it makes you feel uncomfortable. And talk into this microphone right here and talk with a good reading voice. Who's going first? Was it Marty? Are you first? Okay, come on up here, man. Everybody else, follow along as best you can, and um, whoever's next, just be ready to go. We don't need to do weird introductions between them. You can introduce yourself if you want. I'm Marty. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you've learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all, spiritual wisdom, and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, 
being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred to us the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so I'm picking up in verse 15 here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the from the dead, and in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you were once, uh, I'm sorry, and you who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above approach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from hope of the gospel that you heard, which you have been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God, which was given to me from you, or for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you and the hope of glory. He was proclaimed, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that, he, uh, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He, uh, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen my face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which in Christ, in whom all hidden, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you to plausible arguments for thou I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and your firmness of your faith in Christ." Uh, Picking up at verse 6. 
Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on severe self-discipline and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and severe self-discipline and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of, these, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new, life, the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you, to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you will also have a master in heaven. Okay. Okay, chapter 4, verse 2 to the end. Don't be weary in prayer. Keep at it. Watch for God's answers, and remember to be thankful when they come. Don't forget to pray for us, too, that God will give us many chances to preach the good news of Christ, for which I am here in jail. Pray that I will be bold enough to tell it freely and fully and make it plain, as of course I should. Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Be wise in all your, con- in all your contacts with them. Let your conversations be gracious as well as sensible, for then you will have the right answers for everyone. Tychicus, our much-loved brother, will tell you how I'm getting along. He is, hard, he is a hard worker and serves the Lord with me. I have set him on his special trip just to see how you are and to comfort and encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and much-loved brother, one of whom, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will give you all the latest news. Aristarchus, who is with me here as a prisoner, sends his, own, sends his love and so does Mark, a relative of Barnabas. And as I said before, give Mark a hearty welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, justice, also sends his love. These are the only Jewish Christians working here with me, and what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, from your city, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his love, sends you his love. He is always earnestly praying for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, and to help you know his will is everything you do. I can assure you that he has worked hard for you with his prayers and also for the Christians in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Dear Dr. Luke sends his love and so does Demas. Please give, give my greetings to the Christian friends at Laodicea and to Nephus and to those who meet in his home. By the way, after you have read this letter, you will... You, Will you pass it on to the church of Laodicea and read the letter I have wrote to them and say to Archippus, Archippus, I'm sorry, be sure that you do all the Lord, 
you do all the Lord has told you to do. Here is my own greeting in my own handwriting. Remember me here in jail. May God's blessings surround you. Sincerely, Paul. Okay. Book of Colossians. Now, just reading through that after you know basic... Doesn't, isn't that easy, by the way? Like, didn't you... Didn't, doesn't the Lord just speak to you? Like, even just now, just reading things, like, just now, like chapter 4, verse 6, this one that says, let your conversation be always full of grace. You know? God, gossip is a powerful, powerful thing. And, and I'm going to be really straight with you here. Like, it's, it's fun, I'll just say, it's fun to gossip, isn't it? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Isn't it fun to say, mm, well, did you hear what, so, or, or to talk about how people have wronged you? And isn't it fun to talk down on people? I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm just being honest, right? And how the Lord speaks and says, hey, that doesn't do any good. Let's make sure our, all of our conversations are full of grace. My goodness, we need more of that. Go on Facebook and just see how many people, are, I mean, their messages are just one of complaint and criticism and just entitlement of how come this... Versus if we were people that just constantly, all we put out there was just messages of grace and messages of love and encouragement. Sorry, that even just now, just reading that, I was like, man, isn't it good just to read God's Word too? Um, okay, so uh, next week we're going to start in, in chapter 1, verse 1. We're really going to get through this thing. And we're going to get into, um, we'll get into a little bit specifically some of the false teaching that had gotten into the church at Colossae. And remember, we have to understand what it meant for us before we can really understand, uh, I'm sorry, what it meant for them before we can really understand what it means um, for us. So um, let me pray for us, and then we've got a couple announcements, and um, then we can hang out for a little while. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you. It's not, um, it's not a mystery. It's not locked up. Um, it's not a, there's no hidden message in here. There's really not. It's very straightforward. And so I pray that we would be people that are, um, that we're disciplined enough just to open your word and that we would let the word of God speak to the living word that's living inside of us, Lord, that, that that's what the scripture is. It's, it's the word of God and Jesus is the living word of God. And so I pray that we would just allow your word to speak to the living word in us. Um, and then that it would change our um, behavior and our actions, however it needs to be. And so, uh, Lord, we, we thank you for today. Thank you for the people here. Thank you for the men of this church, Lord. Um, I pray right now specifically for the men of this church. God, it's hard to be a man. It's so hard. It's so hard to be a man of God. And I pray for the men in this room, every single age. God, make us uh, courageous, Lord. Give us strength, Lord. Uh, give, us, um, give us the guts to just say yes to you. It is so hard to be a man. Oh my gosh. Especially in the church. And so I pray for our men. Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for this time. Amen.